Hello and welcome to episode five of The Dive. Getting up there now, that's five episodes, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on the world of league esports. I'm Jet and I'm joined by Kobe and Azale. This week, we're going to be talking about trolls versus tryhards at the tail end of the season and also how teams can prep for MSI. We're also going to be talking about patch 7.7 and give you our latest solo queue update. And of course, we will be talking about the playoffs. Super exciting. Corner finals right around the corner. Yeah, and we do have to touch on the Splice versus H2K game uh, in week 10 of the European LCS. Essentially, what happened (laughs) was the game didn't have implications for either team. H2K 2-0'd them in the series, and in game 2, Splice played Timo Top. He went 1-10 versus Ottawa's Rumble, who went 11-1-10. And basically, the argument boiled down to, hey, this really sucked. One team decided to have fun, and the other team was tryhards. Why do you try so hard, H2K, was at least the initial thread. Yeah, it's it weird because it went through a couple of cycles where first a bunch of people are flaming H2K for tryharding and not like picking all the goofy picks and, you know, bopping around with Teemo in the top lane and stuff. And you're just like, wait, why? This is an LCS game. Yeah. Of course they're going to play to win. I. I have I have no problem with the troll picks in a game that does not matter. If this is not if this affects someone else's standings, I think it really sucks. If it doesn't affect anyone's standings, go for the troll picks. But how can you flame yeah, a team ex- for playing a serious game in the LCS when they're supposed to be practicing for playoffs? Yeah. Exactly. If anything, I mean, so if you were going to flame, like in this situation, <laughs> oh, I'm going to flame. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to flame someone, I actually do think you flame the team who's trolling because if <laughs> if you want to have fun in a game, be on the same page. Like, don't force a team to play to stoop to your level of Teemo versus... Stoop to your level. Yeah. Teemo <laughs> versus, just, like... Jad just going in on the Teemo mains. There's one guy out there right now. Hold on. What is an equal level of stooping to Teemo mid in a pro game? Like, what, what would you have to play against to even, like, not even be considered a tryhard? First of right? all, I don't I don't think... It, Bust the, out the Lucian mid, LPL style. Lucian top, Lucian top. <laughs> but then you lose because Teemo blinds you. <laughs> and then you can't... Okay, sorry. We're already off topic. Uh, well, honestly, though, you guys are talking about who to flame or whatever. I, I think I do agree with Azale on the on the one where like if it doesn't affect your standings then yes I'm okay with you you know picking whatever mm-hmm. and, and trying to have fun in the game but you can't get mad at the other team for beating your ass if you're picking <laughs> yeah. some crazy picks right <laughs> you can't be like oh we're gonna have fun oh wait oh we they, lost oh, oh why didn't they do it too yeah you, I don't think yeah. you can get then there was backlash for the backlash though on, <laughs> on like Reddit as well <laughs> yeah. everybody it's the Reddit cycle yeah, yeah. everybody who had, people. had this view were like wait a second you can't play. So, I don't know. It's it's a whole whole kind of mess. Yeah, I mean, games like this at the end of the season are always kind of tricky. There was one a few years ago, I think it was SK Gaming versus someone, which I got a little salty about because I like, I like records in the LCS. And now <laughs> all the records are like, oh, most assists in the game, 53 for NIF because they literally just killed each other for 40 minutes and it, That's true. it like That's ruined my, all yeah. of our record books for highest uh, individual games in the European LCS. But what I like, what, what I like to see in these games, if you were going to like have fun all these guys play you know ten thousand games a league in their life probably they're gonna have picks that they like playing that they're good at but that's aren't what meta. I, I think and too. i want to see them play those in this game but i mean that also requires you to kind of be on the same page yeah i think that you definitely get a lot more value if both teams are down to you know try their their fringe their fly quest picks we can call them <laughs> <laughs> um but in the end i think it was actually the long con from h2k i love their interview after that was my main takeaway Yanko said, and uh, probably in the end with the interview, was actually just hilarious. 
uh, talking about how how strict Prowley is. And it's like, oh yeah, you you have to yeah, kill Timo five thousand times. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. So I I really didn't have any problem with any aspect uh, of that match. But I actually didn't watch it live, and that's why one of my first introductions to it was the interview afterwards, which kind of brought the whole thing together. Yeah, that makes it a lot better. I actually didn't catch the interview, so <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I kind of yeah. super. It's I love that. Good. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yankos has had some pretty funny interviews, actually. Some of the post game yeah. interviews, flaming people's drafts and stuff. He's he's <laughs> super funny. Uh, they always complain about the EU pros not having personality, but I, that guy is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the other bit of global news we have to talk about is the LGL LJL team has qualified for MSI. The team is we haven't watched these Rampage. They beat mm-hmm. Detonation Focus Me. That was an upset. But the main thing we want to talk about since we don't follow the LGL is the fact that the MSI qualifier and MSI in general has 13 teams and kind of the difficulties that you're going to have for prepping for this, both as an LJL team or as any other region for that matter, just because there's so much to prepare for. Yeah, I think it's pretty crazy, especially for these guys who finish so early where they essentially now have a month off. And, you know, a lot of times at the end of the split, it's hard to actually get anyone to practice you because all those teams go on vacation, all those teams take time off. So, you know, they're going to need to find practice partners from other regions, from other areas to try to start getting some time in and really start trying to study up on all these regions. Yeah, and to further that point, as far as, you know, finding practice partners, especially if you are one of these regions like an emerging region ljl they barely just got a server only yeah uh, i don't think you mentioned ljl is japan yeah Yeah, there you go yeah uh they only got a server recently so it's gonna be hard for them to get any foreign teams as far as you know the quality of practice partners uh and if the local teams are on vacation then yeah it does make life a little difficult even though you can be like oh they have so much time off to scout all the other teams and watch all the vods and you know contact analysts from different regions and yeah. I think as far as, you know, difficulty of prepping, that's one of the things that a lot of teams have actually used pretty successfully is contacting uh, specialists of a region that have watched all of them uh, and, you know, pay them for their work and try and actually get information on the teams of that region that yeah. you don't you don't have time to watch all these regions. Uh, that's a good trick for casters as well as, uh, you know, coaches yeah, for exactly. LCS teams or anybody who's going to be playing there is kind of branch out and do the, the trickle-down analyst style. Yeah. Like, we know how difficult it is to prep for five regions at yeah. the kind of old MSI or Worlds. And throughout the year... We know we can pay very close attention to our home league, the North American LCS. Korea. Everyone plays attention to <laughs> Korea. And then you kind of have this smattering of understanding for other leagues. We watch a little bit of EU. We watch a little bit of LPL. We watch no LMS because there's no English cast for it for the most part. So then you have guys like Clement, who you, Clement Chu, who's the LMS caster that we talk to, who speaks great English and he's very helpful. We talk to him. And now you essentially kind of have to find these people scattered around the world for all these other different regions. And caster prep is going to be a little bit different than team prep, but you do look at a lot of the same things. Uh, So definitely, definitely very difficult. And I mean, for me, as someone who's kind of newer to the law scene, I don't necessarily have analysts and stuff that I trust in all these regions. Mm -hmm. And and I think that can be that can be hard for teams as well. I mean, you can be hiring someone else, but but if you really do not trust what they're telling you, take that as the word of God, then I mean, that's (laughs) tough, right? Like if they're giving you poor information, because for me, that's one of the things that is tough. I love Timo Top, just ban that and you'll be fine. I'm prepping for Worlds. I wanted to to you know cut some corners and listen to some people, but I felt like, hey, maybe I'm going to get something else from this game than they mm-hmm. are. So I just ended up watching countless 
hours of vods from all these regions. Yeah, there's no god analyst. That yeah. you're like, I don't <laughs> yeah. even if you do trust because I you know I have people that I trust from different regions. Even the people that I do trust will have different opinions in watching a mm-hmm. specific game, or I'll have different takeaways. I'll look at different stuff uh, than they will. So it's still you still have to do the grunt yeah. work as well and watch the games. Even in this godlike world, we're like, oh yeah, I'm good personal friends with Coma. Let me talk to him yeah, about yeah, the yeah, other yeah. LCK teams. He's going to have some different information that is mm-hmm. different thought than someone else and may not always be right. Like, that's why you have to have the experimentation. That's why people have wrong prep on day one. Plus, I think storylines and stuff is something that is kind of cool, like, to, to hear about the team's struggles at the start of the split and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, even for Worlds, like, I watch all the region's playoffs. I watch some of the end of the season for a lot of the top teams. Like, I was watching a ton of odds, but it's not like I would have watched every single regular season game of every Chinese team the whole way mm-hmm. through, right? And you can have a team that's in the playoffs and in Worlds and stuff that's struggle at the start like if you if you look at like Dignitas or whatever say they qualified uh, for MSI this year you know you would say oh, okay look they look quite strong at the end but you wouldn't know about all the problems that they'd have with their communication and everything all the way through mm-hmm. the things I really like you know getting from people like that are histories of you know orgs and players and like you know personality facts about them because those are very little interpretation mm-hmm. up, up to those like that's yeah. history those these are things that have happened uh, as well as like game recommendations like mm-hmm. you're talking about so just kind of point you in the right direction this one is something super cool this is something you might want to look out for yeah and that's one thing for casting but another thing you have to worry about this year is there's a shorter turnaround kind of between the end of a split and the beginning of the qualifiers than we've had before Mm. we look at the way the na finals are being played i believe they're being played on 423 so april 23rd that's a sunday on like a Thursday or a Friday, the MSI play-ins start for the other eight international, old international yeah. wildcard regions. So it's not a matter of like, uh, how do you prep for everyone? It's what do you actually <laughs> prep? Because you do not have a, the time to do everything the way you'd want to. And that's why, you know, coming in with a 10-band system now, I mm-hmm. think actually helps out quite a lot. Because... It's so much more difficult to research another team and all their picks and stuff and then find practice partners to practice against those picks. Instead, mm-hmm. you just go on and probably throw a couple bands at something you haven't practiced against and just like focus on practicing your own style and making your own style as good as possible um, so that you can be good against a wide array yeah. of opponents. And then if they have, oh my God, like these people always do this protect the AD carry comp or they always do this split push comp, you know, try and throw bands that way to limit it a little bit instead of having to practice all these different things. Yeah. If I try and put myself in a coach's shoes, mm-hmm. you can't look too far ahead too mm-hmm. soon. You need to be the best team in your region just to make it into this qualifier. So the majority of their prep up until the time they're qualified, I'd say 99% of it is domestic. You're trying to win your own region. Then you can turn your head and do kind of the cursory level prep. But for the most part, by that point in the season, you're going to have refined your own strategies as much as possible. And you're pretty much just going to continue to grind and iterate on the style of play that you've perfected in your own region. And then your bands, like Kobe said, are pretty much just thrown at the cursory understanding you have of the other team's styles. And that's about the best prep I think you can do. I actually think the the ban thing is a really cool point, though, because looking back to last year's MSI, it's like you see one game of Rally and Soul from who you probably just never let them play that again ever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with 10 bans, you have so much more flexibility to ban out these niche picks every single time and not really get punished as much. And I think that is what it has evolved into. All right, 
right, well, uh, let's get into some more possible bans with the new patch. And there's so much hype around Amumu. Everybody's like, oh my god, 7. he does true damage now, or he allows other people to do magic converted into true... I mean, uh, for me, at first take, I think everyone is overreacting a little bit, and yeah, it's a it's a nice little bump for him, but All right, let's, it let's talk about the Amumu buffs. as big as everyone's making yeah. it out to be. Patch 7.7, <laughs> Curse Touch, you no longer reduce enemy magic resist, but you cause 15% of all magic damage dealt to the target to be dealt again as true damage. That's not just for Amumu, mm -hmm. it's for everyone, but that's the same as reducing enemy magic. Exactly, also yeah, that was also for uh, Despair went up 2 damage at the first rank and 6 damage at the final rank, also refreshes Curse Touch, and then his ultimate will apply Curse Touch after the damage is being dealt. And so the way I used to play Amumu uh, was very magic pen heavy. I'd go Sorcerer's Shoes almost every single game, you try and get a fairly early haunting, guys. And that works so well with Cursed Touch because the closer you get someone to zero magic resistance, the greater every part point of magic penetration becomes. That is no longer the case, necessarily. Uh, it's, it's still similar. You're right, but you can't get them as low to zero as you used to. But what's interesting is when you run the math on this, 15% uh, of all magic damage dealt to the target as true damage is better in all cases, level 1 through 6 in the jungle, not to mention his early rank of despair is better. So those are unequivocally buffs to his early jungle clear. Beyond that, I think it's pretty minor. I think it's like a 1 or 2%. Pretty much based off the early jungle clear, not even really caring about the team fight. Yeah, I mean, if, if you still want to go your your sork pen and your your haunting guys and all that, I think stuff, you still do. Yeah, exactly. I don't think then that build's changed. You're gonna do more magic damage. More of your magic damage will be, then be converted into true damage. So mm -hmm. that's nice. I think uh, as, as far as the early buffs to him in the jungle, those are gonna be super nice to get him through yeah. the early clears because that was you know kind of a pain point. He can't really duel people early on or anything like that. Uh, the other thing to me. The AOE ult applying it now. That's yeah. a nice little, you know, nice little... good for wombo combos. Yeah, which like is, Oriana and things like is, that. Which is, you know, what you usually Brain. want to use a Mumu for is the the wombo combo. So it just kind of accentuates his wombo combo strength. But yeah, as far as uh, as far as overall power level, slight increase to me. Yeah, I mean, he's he has felt like so far away from pro play for so long. I don't that, think this pushes that, him. Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, I, I think it's a nice solo queue thing. But but one thing to note about solo queue, even though he's he's not like the hot pick, he's always had a very good win rate in solo queue. And I actually still felt like Amumu was solid, maybe not at like super high elos and stuff. Yeah. But he adds such a high level of consistency for team fights that especially mm -hmm. in the lower and lower elos, I think in like gold and, and below and things like that, people almost always make positioning errors where you can hit them yeah. with a big ultimate. And this is kind of a different thing. People talk about Amumu's initiation being very telegraphed and how like that kind of nerfs him in pro play it does but this is this is an interesting fact that i realized when i was on the balance team is champions with telegraphed initiations like ramus or mumu or leona are actually better at low elos because your own team understands that they're about to fight yeah. and it's actually a good sign like oh he's going to be going in so when leona or mumu or ramus kind of get ready to initiate then the rest of the team can follow up. So he, he creates coordination by being in that kit, but that's aside from the point, and he's probably not being seen in pro. Learn how to use pings, people. <laughs> on the way. There are, on the by way. the way, also, just a little tiny side now before we go on to Alistar, uh, there are like a few one-trick Amumus, you know, in the mid to high diamonds as well. So you have kind of a ceiling, but... Uh, uh, it's it's not like you have uh, you, you can't get past gold or something. Oh yeah, you can no, make no, it no, to no, master no, with no. the Mumu. So, but I, I just seen I, him on pro. My point was only that I think he is very good at low elo. Mm, that Malphite syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I like it. Uh, those Alistar changes though, um, pretty pretty decent. The passive now heals uh, all nearby allies instead of just your you know lane partner or whatever, or the one person closest to you. And then the cooldown on trample. 
down four seconds level one, four seconds at max level as well. So just across the board. And he's empowered attack damage as well. These these ones look yeah. like uh, pretty decent to me. Alistair used to be kind of a staple of competitive play, and he's since fallen off. I think we saw one game of Aphromo and Alistair, and he fed this split. I feel like uh, Mata might have played one of we, them, too. These there's changes, been a couple in other regions, randomly. yeah. These yeah. changes might give him a chance of coming back. The difficulty with Alistair is he was so much bigger in the meta uh, when you had lane swaps because you could kind of subvert his weak laning phase and still make early plays. Uh, here, I think you have to be very careful with the types of ADs you pick him with. I think if you pick mm -hmm. him with Caitlyn or an Ezreal, uh, by the way, patch 7.7 .7 won't be on playoffs. This is more the changes that will be in effect for MSI when I believe mm -hmm. it's on patch 7.8 or 7.7, .7, depending on how the cadence actually falls. But I think this could actually bring him back to like a mediocre pick rate. This in combination with the change to the Bond of Stone, where now you uh, apply the rune uh, thing to heal people, pretty decent. I, I think that's one, that's the mastery that will be quite good for him. Yeah, especially if you are playing it more like kind of bodyguard style. I think if, if you're diving in, sometimes it can be hard for like your ADC to actually be hitting the person that you're diving in on. So you're not getting necessarily getting that off. But if you have like a like someone that you're protecting, I think that works better. But Bond of Stone is is like to me, like the more I think about it, the more it is just better on things that are just like very easy AoE spamble, that kind of stuff, like <laughs> like Nautilus support and stuff like that. Now it's called something else. You guys play Bard? Uh, I do play. I, I can play him now. Played a little these, bit. These are the most insane buffs of the patch to yeah. me. Meeps now gain 15 <laughs> damage every five chimes in addition to other chime bonuses. The list here is actually just massive. Basically, I think you get uh, more free. You get more frequent chimes for slightly less reward. But uh -huh. overall, you're just holding way more meeps and you're doing much more damage. Yeah, you do a lot more damage. Uh, his win rate went up uh, close to five percent, I think, uh, after mm. the one the one day. These are one day numbers or whatever. And but before that, he was in the forties. So take that into account. He's up at high forties, like, right? He's up at like fifty one now oh, or okay. something. Um, but he's a really high skill cap champion. Like all yeah, the bar one tricks is, are going to be coming out of the woodwork. But now, just the overall win rate, the yeah. average win rate of everyone who's playing him, that's going up. It's fifty one percent. Yeah, it's really high. And he's a high skill champion. So if you are a bard main, I would say continue playing bard. Uh, <laughs> if you're not a bard main, you might even try your hand at him. And if you get good, you'll definitely be above that. So. Uh, I, I do agree that Bard is a high skill champion, but I actually don't think he's as hard as people make it out to be. I actually played <laughs> one of like my first ever Bard games with Kobe, and I was like smashing fools. I fed my ass off in the next game, but I've, <laughs> I've had I've played like maybe five or six actual like SR games of Bard, and almost like I had one bad game. Every other one like. The Q cheats so much that like it definitely people, does. People want to pretend that this yeah. is not like a, a super hard shot? champion. It's it's actually not that hard. You press yeah. your W, it heals people. I, your Q is impossible to miss. You can teleport through walls. Like I think most of the high skill comes from uh, running people around the jungle with your portals and stuff like that, yeah. as well as your ultimate. Um, yeah, you, I see a lot of people yeah. messing up their ultimates, ulting their own team, getting them killed. Yeah. This happens to me a lot yeah. when bards on my team are uh, you know freezing me. The ultimate is just an insanely unique ability that takes a very long time to master. But yeah. like walking up to someone in lane, smacking them in the face, and then pressing Q on them—that's your baseline effectiveness. And I guess that's why yeah. his first day after patch was up in the fifty-one percent already. Yeah, so that'd be pretty interesting. But there are some more oh, changes man. that we want to talk about. Yeah, Camille got hit again. 
Yeah, Camille. Yeah, Camille. I mean, the the tactical sweep lost its heal on minions, mm-hmm. um, so that is a pretty big one. And then the ultimate actually does not start at the the max duration previously. So it used to be four second. You're caged in. Now it starts at two point five, and it goes up to four, which is yeah. a big nerf, especially yeah. for the early early dives and stuff. People used to use that so often with rank one ultimate and pro play. Yeah, I think you're gonna have to be really good in the laning phase, or just be able to get past it. Because if you look at these nerfs. After the landing phase, it's really not that big of a change, right? You're going to no. still be able to get the heal when you're hitting champions. You're still going to have the max rank of Hextech Ultimatum. Zyrene mm-hmm. plays a ton of Camille. He said he switched from Titanic to Ravenous, and that helped a little bit, but his landing phase was still pretty bad. But, like, it's just yet another nerf to Camille, who was already, you know, as we mentioned, a competitive staple pretty much because of her long engage range and the Hextech Ultimatum. But with a weaker landing phase, sometimes on a pro team, you're not willing to let that go. So this might be the nerf that takes her out. Uh, I saw reaction tweets from a couple LCS top laners and they were like, ooh, I think uh, uh, Camila's dead. I mean, they're very prone to having those knee-jerk, ah, the champion's dead mm-hmm. reactions, mm-hmm. Uh, as am I for champions that I like. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, that was uh, the general feeling so far. I-, I wouldn't be too surprised if we see it still kind of stay niche. I mean, this was like almost 100% pick ban uh, in yeah. NALCS at least. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if it's brought out every once in a while situationally. Um, but besides that, you know, probably not going to be a mainstay anymore. The Galio changes, I don't think they're really a big deal. Uh, some slight nerfs, but nothing much Galio there. is easy to play on your first few plays. <laughs> I, I had a few he's games of him easy. earlier. I, I've played him in like four different positions, and they I all feel I still feel, feel like he sucks, even though what? I, like when I play him, it w- goes well. I just feel like... Yeah, I win so- every game, but something about him it's, is just not it's, quite right. Well, this this is what's not quite right, <laughs> and I can pinpoint it for you. It's, it's that... He, everything feels so choreographed and it just feels like he has too many stats and that's the only reason I'm winning. Like, yeah, so he's like as as he gets nerfed to where I feel is like a more appropriate level, I feel like he's gonna suck. Like his E is the super slow. There's no like high impact of the taunt. It's so choreographed. The ultimate he is choreographed. He is like, supposed to be a giant statue. Of course he's yeah. slow. So <laughs> the, the, the thing is, uh, I found a few creative uses for his E. Um, where because it is so slow and the hitbox is so large, like it's not necessarily about like surprising someone. It's about just you want to move through this area, so I'm just going to move my zoning, statue through. The zoning abilities. The zoning, ah, right? There we go. And that gets you in range. Zoning taunt. That gets you in range for your taunt. Then you get to use your super OP numbers with Q that takes like half their health when your building's <laughs> yeah. a tank. Uh, and then and then you then you win because you're Galio. <laughs> like that's. I mean, have you guys even really been seeing many Galios in your games? Everyone was like, "Oh my god, he's so overpowered." I, nah. I like I never see people even really doing well on him. Like you don't really take over games. You're just I've baseline s- effective. I've had some. Uh, I had one that was one of the NACS top laners though, so still professional player basically. Yeah. Uh, and he was smashing everybody, but yep. uh, he was on Smurf, so... Yeah, I think he'll be nerfed. <laughs> Fraudulent. Pretty sure he can do that with any yeah. champion. I think Galio will be nerfed again a little bit, but I don't actually think his base numbers will go down much more. Uh, I did want to say one more thing about the Camille nerfs before you guys were, went off on Galio, Galio let's talk about Graves thing- next, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Right, let's talk- Camille. Uh, I just want to say, with a champion like that, I feel like she fills such a similar space to Fiora that if this is enough to drop Camille down, then we just see Fiora in her place anyway, and so that's why... Uh, it might kick her out if we did see a huge drop off in her play rate. Yeah. But now, yeah, let's move on to that yeah. Graves. Oh my goodness, no magic resist anymore. No on magic your e. resist, but everything else is exactly the same. Yeah. So I think it'll be a little bit of an adjustment period for Graves because he used to just, you know, be able to dash in and 
crush anyone in late game. He really relied on those stack and resist from quick draw, and that's gone against mages. Mm -hmm. I think maybe you'll have a little bit higher priority on making the hex drinker. Maybe you make it a little earlier or something like that if there's a lot of magic damage on the enemy team. If the enemy team only has one mage, hey, he's almost the same. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's a slight nerf to him. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to kill him or anything. There's actually a ton of changes, so we can Yeah, keep I mean, it. we're spending more time on this patch because there are so many changes. Uh, other ones, Jarvan's W also, Shield, I think that's going to help his... I love patches, <laughs> man. Uh, Golden Aegis for Jarvan goes up 15 at base shield. Uh, bonus shield change from flat to percentage. I think that'll help his early jungle clear a little bit, but... I, I already Jarvin. really liked Jarvan. Um, I think this is a, a pretty small buff. Uh, it definitely is a big buff for building tank Jarvan, which... Uh, the higher and higher you know, you get, a lot more of the people just were going, especially from the jungle full tank driving. You know, when you're down in lower elos and you're just smashing people, you can go the full damage still and burst people. And I think the laning Jarvins will probably go still mostly damage. But uh, it's a it's a nice little buff for him, and he's needed a couple little buffs. So I think I think it's actually an appropriate change for the champion. Feels good. Yeah, I'm I'm just scrolling through this, and this is still a massive patch. Jinx's flame chompers. Speed it up, then. Late game. We're gonna we're gonna pick this up a little oh, bit. Oh, the Jinx. I think we just roll over that. Yeah, it means nothing. It's a late game buff, but last barely. ability you max, yeah. and you get a couple seconds. Already after. good late game. The Cassidy ones are more interesting to me. Yeah, he's big. <sighs> Isaac, you and I were talking about this. I don't like playing against Cassidens. <sighs> Cassidy is actually so obnoxious late game already. I mean, the R is just straight up buff. The E is just a straight up buff. The W, like, I actually think the W change, so my understanding of it, I don't play a million games cast in, mm -hmm. but I do play some casted in. And I have games where, uh, you know, you you are in on them, you press your W, and then the Lucian yep. dashes away or whatever, it doesn't, doesn't go, go off, right? Yep. This, my understanding of it, is it's that that will them. always go off. And if you can always hit that on a late game cast in, you will essentially always one round these people if you stack your ultimate properly and you yeah. do your combo. Like You're always going to be able to dash again because you're going to get enough mana back from hitting your W. Yeah, so I, I think it's actually pretty insane. And I think this champion was already just on the verge of being in pro play like i would not be surprised to see this guy be 100 percent pick ban at msi he was already Ooh. in pro play europe really likes him so i think that he'd definitely be uh, up there as far as 100 pick bans and well, in europe at least i would say like 50 i think he's gonna be big at msi but i could be right. wrong uh, i think for europe for those mid laners right. have a right. lot of time on so him. the european perks at msi is <laughs> gonna be playing cassidy <laughs> um yeah but uh Cassidin was one of my original mid laners so i'm pretty happy about that now i can get off my Echo and Swain, which I actually wasn't having too much success on. Yeah, uh, Overreaction buff, I feel like, uh, is the Lux final spark change. If it kills an enemy champion, you get 10 to 30 to 50% of its remaining cooldown. Everyone I talk to Ooh. that plays Lux is like, oh my god, I can't wait for these Lux buffs. Eh? I think it's fun. You have to kill I, I don't someone think with it, it? I think it's fun. I don't think it really like matters that much. You get like two seconds off the cooldown at level six? Like there's going to be some Ooh. cool clips. <laughs> there's going to be some cool clips on Reddit or whatever yeah. where it's like, two oh, okay, you one-shot someone at the start of the team fight, then it comes back up real yeah. fast and you one-shot someone again. Like that's cool, but uh, the the reasons that people don't play Lux to me still remain the same. I don't think that affects pro at all. It's just kind of a fun thing. How about you make it... Uh, it it actually sets the cooldown to two seconds when you kill <laughs> That will be fun. A Machine reset. gun Lux. Yeah. Bah, bah, it's bah. like Dairy Assault. You kill someone, yeah. you get a get reset. you playing them with? <laughs> a moo <laughs> moo. Yeah, a moo <laughs> Just laser yeah. across yeah. the All right. Oh, man. Uh, Nunu got a bunch of changes, but honestly, when they nerfed the early damage oh. of Consume, which wasn't in the first patch note, it kind of killed it for me. I was so excited to jump in I, there. Is that in So I'm still not sure if it's intended it or is. not. It is. is they it updated intended? the patch notes. So the, oh! the rank one damage of consume went down from that? 400 to 340. Well, it's, it's funny because, because... Visionary gives you an extra rank in it. So 
technically your level one could be 500 damage, but now your consume doesn't even eat the small raptor. My noise, my noise though, was because we gave them feedback on originally having Nunu on the buffed list. And so I was they nerfed like, him. This is your hey, fault. you need to calm down with that because Nunu was just fine after the Stoneborn Pact, I think. All right, was guys. The new so uh, all those Nunu mains, you're salty about these changes. You can tweet yeah. at Riot Kobe. He's the one who got nerfed. There you go. I have a long, I'm salty long at Kobe. History. I, w- I, I have play- a long history of hating Nunu. Last <laughs> patch, I was like, I Every jungler hates Nunu, Nunu Kobe. <laughs> I like Nunu. Uh, Jad oh likes the. How can anyway. you play a Mumu and like Nunu? That's like I remember when both those champions were meta. I played like every to, buff. At least you have to do something on a Mumu. He's got a skill shot. They both have circular ultimates. No, no, no. My point is playing against Nunu was the worst thing ever in like season uh, four and stuff like that. On a Mumu is good against you. Nunu. Lose a buff and you lose the game, and Nunu yeah. just comes in and takes every buff. I actually think a Mumu is good against Nunu. Uh, I mean, there's. Are there any other huge changes in this patch? I don't. Let's get out of here. Dead, so. I'm bored yeah, with this. Get bored. Let's this get patch. Talon got nerfed. Volibear's Thunderclaws bounce eight times, Kobe. Move eight on. Eight whole times. All right, we're done. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Speaking of solo queue, uh, Jat had a uh, re- uh, what are you? A schedule you yeah, wanted to, to put for yourself? Yeah. Let, let's hear. How many have you done this week? He wanted to get a bunch of solo queue games So in. I've, it's going to be a struggle. So <laughs> my goal was, I set a goal for 25 games a week. That's a lot. It isn't though. It's when you compare lot. how many for, games it, we I used to play, I feel like it play. is for you because you haven't played much. Me. Yeah, but you have a you have a full time job. You have a girlfriend. Like it's it's not like yeah. it, it, you know you're not in the same situation that you were when yeah. you were. So he, here's the plan: um, <laughs> six games on Monday and Tuesday. Those are my off days. Okay. Then you're at twelve. That's twelve. That's, you got thirteen. That's already halfway. halfway there, and you got five days left. Uh, then I'm playing. Uh, Roughly two games at work and three games at night on Wednesday and Thursday. Whoa. Roughly. If I get in more games you at work, I'd play fewer at home. You can do that? Yeah, and then you I play, play- five games on Wednesday and Thursday? Then I play two games on Friday not, and I don't- I mean, and This I, is where the plan falls Then apart. I play two yeah, games yeah, yeah. on Friday and none at all on Saturday or Sunday. Because uh, we're me, doing LCS and that's usually two times. Let me ask you, how many games did you play yesterday total? Four. Ooh, first week first already week. cutting corners. That's because like, I got seven on Monday and Tuesday. Today? This is like Jad just made a New Year's resolution, yeah. Yeah. and <laughs> yeah. on pretty much the second he's like, "Oh, I'm not gonna go to the gym today." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's here's actually why I didn't play. I had time to play more games yesterday, um, but I hit some early hiccups with my wrist, which uh, is uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I I want to explain this because uh, <laughs> I'm I think it's really interesting. But I'm I'm hoping that I can can get through this because I had a lot of things done on my wrist as you guys know. I got a TFCC repair. I got a cubital tunnel thing, which is it's a nerve that runs from your shoulder through your funny bone down towards your pinky. And when that nerve gets like irritated or pinched, which usually happens at the elbow, uh, your pinky and half of your right ring finger can go numb, and sometimes your pinky curls up a little bit if it gets in bad cases. Uh, before the surgery, it was pinched pretty badly at my elbow, and my pinky was a little curled up. So what they did is they moved the nerve away from where it would get pinched, so it can't really get pinched at the elbow anymore. The problem, though, is I have all this scar tissue in my wrist from the TFCC repair, which is a bunch of cartilage that is kind of around where the ulnar nerve would be. So... Somewhere in there, yesterday, my pinky started getting a little bit numb, so I had to stop playing, and I got pretty sad. As soon as he started talking, I just started doing stretches on my, yeah. on my wrist. You gotta worry about like, this stuff, not man. Me. Yeah, not like, me. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah, it could oh, happen God. to anyone, and that's it's, that's what's gonna stop me more than anything from yep. being able to play these games. Because what happened with me, and the reason I want to play so many games, is I haven't really played for seven months. 
So I don't think that like 25 games a week is required to, you know, cast at a top level and understand the game. But I feel like I'm losing a little bit of that closeness that I had with the game of understanding how everything works because we've changed it so much in the past Mm -hmm. seven months and I've hardly played. So I really want to get in, get in there, probably get back up to master or something. But uh, early roadblock yesterday, but risk feels pretty good today. Yeah, I I, I really like playing a lot. I feel like it helps out a lot. Uh, yeah. just, just, you usually play more than you used to play more than the rest like, of us on the on the spot stuff. Yeah, I mean, how much do you play in a week on average? Uh, I mean, if you count your number of games, if I count my number of games, Arams count is point six. <laughs> a lot, Arams don't man. count as anything. Count, dude. I play they a lot. count. I mean, counts I, I as play, nothing. Man, used to swear by Arams. <laughs> See, I, I play. I play like uh, like a lot of like normals and flex with oh friends my and my girlfriend and stuff like that. Genuinely, they're a little bit less. And then I play. I do play a lot of Arams because I like. I do like Arams. Flex games. I'd have to look. Arams. Yeah. Don't count for anything. I think you play 25 games a week at least. Yeah, I do. For sure. Yeah, and you're telling me I'm playing too much. You yeah, got a full-time job, what? a girlfriend. That's the same situation. He didn't say you're playing too much. He said you're not going to be able to hit your goals. Yeah. How's he doing it? <laughs> I mean, ARAMs, ARAMs are like nothing though. Like there's yeah, like there's no like mental burden of playing an ARAM versus like playing a rank game or something. Like there is some mm-hmm. some like cost associated with that, I feel Especially like. Especially as you're a jungler, dude. No, I'm uh so I started by playing mid. I want to oh, level yeah, up my smart. mechanics yeah, most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. Uh, NALCS playoffs are coming up this weekend. It's the quarterfinals. Dig versus P1 is going to be the first matchup on Saturday. And then CLG versus FlyQuest going to be Sunday. Uh, what are you guys thinking about uh, Dig P1? I'm super excited for this one. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as number six seed versus number three seed, uh, it's a lot closer than than you would usually think, right? Uh, sometimes first round of playoffs, you know, core finals, everyone's like, ah, you know, the higher rated one's probably going to yeah. stomp them and move on, and then you know they're going to not have that big of a chance as you progress further. But Team Dignitas have had a pretty good resurgence in the yeah. second half of the split. Coach Cop joined. Uh, Coach we Cop. heard rumors about the old coaches were being super mean to people and yep. not doing good things for internal communication on the team. And everybody's just happy now with Cop, but they're all communicating. Even Expecial, who has a history of being, what did people say? He was uh, passive aggressive. Passive aggressive, yeah. You couldn't remember that. Even one. him, he's smiling. <laughs> all, well, I don't remember what, what the rumors people are talking about. It's all blue skies and rainbows. Uh, yeah. he, look, he was all smiling. He was super. We're happy yeah. you give an interview with them the team looks like they're having chipper. fun for sure. um, they're having fun but more importantly they're playing better uh you know like the rest of the team's doing well keen is playing a lot better mm-hmm. chaser mm-hmm. to me had a huge improvement towards the back half he was yep. he bopped contracts in their game versus cloud nine and i don't know I, I feel like they're just overall multiple members of the team are playing a lot better still a little bit worried about the bottom lane in lane phase but uh yeah what's interesting um, is like i've I did a little bit more research into this uh, last night after we filmed this or that because I think we said something about like more likely to upset and we were thinking Dig and P1 would be really close. I think P1's going to smash them the more really? I looked at it. Yeah, I, I am willing to discount P1's week against C9 and TSM mm. because I think they mailed it in against TSM. I- I remember what that we, game didn't matter for them. Yeah, I remember what we said on this or that. You said you might not even consider an upset if Team Duke does. I said beat some Phoenix people one. are saying. No, this. you said you, <laughs> and I said no way. It's definitely I don't an believe upset. You. All right, we'll check the tapes. <laughs> yeah. Last last week, Azale was lying to me. This week, Jack's lying. To <laughs> yeah, me. you're crazy. Coach. The question <laughs> is, did you check the tapes? <laughs> yeah. He did. No, there he you go. I did not. Just like he's not going to play 25 games, you're not about to check the tapes. You so I can lie all I want every week. 
Mark, probably more Kobe plays like 50. Uh, <laughs> We're different men, Jack. Uh, we don't have fucked up wrists. Honest, that is fucked up. Honestly, though, the one que- the thing that everyone's going to point to, right? And the reason why people are like, oh, you know, this is closer than you think. A team probably mm-hmm. have a chance. The substitutions on Phoenix 1. Yeah, have- there are reasons to be very skeptical of Phoenix 1. They've had eight different players throughout the split. They put in Shady randomly. They're still duo queuing with Shady and Arrow. I saw, I was scouting Arrow solo queue. He played with Shady and Stunt was on the other team and beat them. Mm-hmm. And then the next game he was doing was Stunt. I mean, it's like, what's going on? My here? understanding is the players don't even know who's going to play and stuff. Like, they, they, they're, it's very last minute decisions and stuff. And, you know, they're going to try to do what works best for the team, I guess, mm-hmm. at the time as they see it. But mm-hmm. I think that's a, a tough situation to be going into. You know, if this is the start of the season, you're like, yeah, we're going to play through some stuff. We're going to figure it out. There's not a lot of teams that have looked good using multiple subs like this regularly. Um, and we've seen, you know, Stun on Twitter and stuff talking about it, and some of these guys talking about it in interviews and stuff, like and you know, stuff with Nori. Yeah, they're they're so new players. That's and they're, the hard they're part. Even with if it. you're doing this yeah. with like experienced players, and maybe that's one thing, and you can talk about them pushing that can be each tough other too with or ego and, from each and other. Stuff. Exactly. Even that, even that can be tough. But if you're doing that with rookies who are just fresh into the LCS, and these are rookies who barely started before playoffs, so now not only are these regular LCS games would be you know, intimidating for mm-hmm. rookies, but they're doing playoff games. So yeah, I think there's a lot of things that compound on that i'm actually going to reach out to uh my boy history teacher chad the uh, uh the coach Ask for them what's happening and and, and get his reasoning behind yeah. it uh i'm talking to him today in a skype interview so nice. we'll see about that let me know oh i think so the reason to expand a little bit on why i feel like phoenix one will win is i feel like when they've had the right roster together they've been the best team in the league stunts eight and one on that team medios is 14 and five my That's boy. substantially higher win rates <laughs> than anyone else they've had. And like when they're running with that roster, I do think they're just more coordinated, more consistent uh, than Team Dingertoss, who's still going to be fairly inconsistent. Like we, we mentioned the huge upswing Team Dingertoss had, but you look at that last week, they two mm-hmm. out Immortals, they should not have two out Immortals, right? And obviously Immortals is kind of on the upswing, but I still yeah. see Team Dingertoss as that second tier of teams where you have Phoenix 1, C9, and TSM up the top, which is why I think P- P- P1 should be big favorites. And I, well, I especially think the bot lane is is a really big deal. I think P1's bot lane is very, very strong. And, and Laud, I mean, statistically, has not had a great laning phase. I think mm-hmm. he's a solid AD carry, and I think he can do well later in the game. But you know, he's average CS at 10 or something. He's always down like 5 or whatever it is uh, throughout the league. And, and Arrow is... is Pretty much everyone's best AD carry in the league. Everyone thinks that this guy is a monster, and I think if he if he shows up, yeah, it's gonna be tough. for me the bright spot for Team Dingtrass would be Chaser. I, I don't know. I focus a lot on Chaser junglers, recently, but yeah. his recent yeah. games are just so much better than you know earlier in the season. Then that might be. Yeah, I see Chaser still taking really big risks. Mm-hmm. He's paid off more mm-hmm. recently because they've become either better bets or more likely uh, predictions. Though I'm gonna say three one for who. Phoenix one. Phoenix one. Three zero. I said smash. I have to be consistent with my messaging. Huh. Oh, consistent from yesterday, where you said it might not even be an upset. If yeah. Big uh, <laughs> the dive and this and that are separate products. Yeah, 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 if you yeah, remember, yeah. I said Phoenix one will be TSM and C nine. So I'm yeah. still on the Phoenix <laughs> one hype train. <laughs> I think I think it is also going to be Phoenix one. I would definitely get some games and dig, or I'll give a game to Team Dig Toss. I'll go three yeah. one. Uh, I think it's even closer. I, I think three two. I think Dig could even oh, win. Nice little like, gradient um, we have here. Though. I mean, I th- I think that P one should win at their best if they look as, as good as they did. But I have Rookie less faith. Factor, yeah. I have less faith that that is actually their their, their real level. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking more and more, you mm-hmm. know, I've talked to some of the guys on P1 and stuff. And and one of the things 
you know, I've realized even just about the rookies is there's differences that we don't always see like within the game as far as like shot calling, as far as things that they communicate yeah. and things, how they work with the team can feel very different um, on the inside compared to how we're watching the game and stuff. And yeah. and so I think it could be tough. Can I revise my prediction after I talk to the coach? No. <laughs> no. Okay, we're recording Actually, this you now. Can. <laughs> you can next week. And once again, yeah, okay, we won't cool. check the tapes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like okay, last cool. week I said Team Dinkertoss. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's move on to FlyQuest CLG yep. thing because that right. one also should be interesting. Everyone's like, hyped up for the shot calling matchup. <gasps> oh, the big brains. <laughs> yeah, there's some big brains, but I think that Fly's about to get bopped. Record-wise, <laughs> they're super close. FlyQuest in game score was 22 and 21. COG was 22 and 22. Hit me with that second half record, Jet. <laughs> uh, less good. Yeah. I, I don't have it. It's, it's like, do you have it? I want to say in the last 11, it's three and eight for FlyQuest, mm-hmm. and it's eight and three for CLG, and that's with a loss with Joey. That's with a series loss with Joey. So it's like, if you want to count that, you can count that. But really, it's like the, with the core lineup, it's eight and two versus versus three and eight. And FlyQuest down the stretch did look like they were really struggling. Yeah, they changed some things. Yeah, they went back to the meta picks, but I feel like CLG has been on a big uptrend and these guys always seem to perform yeah. in playoffs, even when they look like crap coming into playoffs. Here's the weird thing for me with CLG is even though their record says they're on an uptrend, they're wait, losing. Wait, why do you guys keep saying uptrend? What the? Because <laughs> they started in like last place, basically. Uh, it's just a weird term, on and up. up okay, uptrend. keep going, keep yeah. going. On a upward trajectory. <laughs> they're on an airplane. Kobe. They're flying ah, up yeah, into the playoffs. Balling out. Zoom, zoom. They're going straight up. <laughs> Champagne in the airplane. <laughs> uh, CLG is almost always behind in the game. So Tim over at Orcus Elixir keeps this one stack called GPR, which is like percentage of games total gold held. Mm-hmm. Um CLG is the second worst in the league. Only worse team is Team Liquid, who was pretty awful during the regular season. Yet, they're still winning a lot of these games. And even at the end of the game, they still don't actually have that much gold. Kobe's pointing to his head is because they're big brains. <laughs> they know how to come together in the clutch. But or, that is kind is of the, the saving thing? grace of CLG is they kind of maneuver their way around in these super chaotic games and kind of grind out victories. But if you fall too far behind, you are just going to get run over. I, yeah. I do think the meta changes made a big difference for them, though. I actually think that 6A is incredible on a, a lot of the team fighters, and I think that has made a big difference. He actually did not have as much success on a lot of the supportive type champions. This guy was actually 1-8 on Varus like awful on Varus he, he, yeah. he, not that he necessarily played poorly but the team it didn't work right like so whatever you want to blame it on blame it on I, that well I know he also personally does not like playing that champion yeah. so Ash too it, only 50% win rate right it, so. like but when you look at some of the others Ezreal over 70% is Caitlyn 75% like he's he does really well on a lot of these team fight champions and that is what is good now yeah I, I agree I'm always very uh, you know, trepid about going all in on CLG. They keep you yep. a little bit worried mm-hmm. at all times. Can e- never be sure. Even even when they're even <laughs> even when they're uh, playing in the finals or something, you gotta be a little bit worried. But uh, I I think that if we move on to predictions, I am gonna predict CLG to beat FlyQuest in this round. And as far as the next round, you gotta wait to see how you know how they play and how they start performing in the beginning well, of playoffs before we really get a good handle on. That's what makes this prediction to me the hardest of all of them is because really? I do feel like there's a chance that FlyQuest bounces back from their tailspin that they had at the end of the split. Always a chance. There's always a chance for both of these teams to swing wildly in either direction. There is so much experience in this game. I think we were checking the other day, there's seven or eight LCS champions in this game. Eight, And I think six of these guys were playing in 2013. They're experienced. They know how to bounce back. Whether or not the meta favors them, whether or not they're motivated, whether or not their practice was good, 
it could be like, I mean, in a crazy world, 3-0 either way. High has mm-hmm. taken the team through the gauntlet all the way to Worlds before. Like, they have gone on some crazy runs before mm-hmm. just on the back of... He goes for aggressive Baron calls, you know, very low percentage chance of success. Boom, he hits it. Boom, he hits the next one. Boom, he gets, you know, yeah. win game, win game, win game. Like he, he boom, can, he misses. I remember stolen. Yeah. Boom, you miss one. But, like, <laughs> yeah. that's the the, that's the gauntlet runs or when it comes from, oh, yeah. man, they're just on mm-hmm. fire. They're going for all these crazy... I mean, I have respect for for like high and for FlyQuest as like that team that takes chances and does some crazy stuff. But I yeah. think preparing for a team in a best of five, like I give them a game because of because I think they pull something like that off. But uh, I think it's pretty heavily favored for CLG for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, Kobe, you said three one. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I I'm going three CLG. He's going three one. I'm I, going three two for sure for CLG. It's three two for CLG. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's gonna be close. I'm three one for CLG. Yeah. I mean. I, I do think there's huge variance in this game. You guys, but I know. You have to predict one. Don't love the FlyQuest boys. <laughs> I haven't been high on FlyQuest yeah, for like half yeah. I mean, I love me some FlyQuest. I just don't <laughs> yeah, think they're going to win. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference there, Kobe. That's why I, I, I like you. Prediction. I think you're a nice guy. If you were in this game, I'd be like, oh, three. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess we're going to move on to some Twitter questions. I think we have quite a few, actually, uh, yeah. that we can look at today. Uh, the first one, I'm going to mess up his last name, but it's it's data, David, I don't know, Peterly? Peterl. Peterl? Peterly, Peterly, whatever it is. Um, we're going to go with that. <laughs> well done, boys. Uh, <laughs> he asks, is Riot's patch every two weeks model good for esports, or would a more stable model help the teams? I think this is a really interesting question. Uh, when I was a player... It wasn't so much the patches that angered me. It was the fact that we had new champions every two weeks. I think that was ass because they were usually on like almost right away. And I'd be like, I can't prepare for all these champions. Uh, interesting, th- interesting thing is I think the highly disruptive patches, if they were every two weeks, uh, aren't necessarily good because that kind of changes the team's way to iterate. And there are two sides to this. You have the way the teams would want it in a perfect world because the teams want a stable system that they feel like they can perfect and they want to keep what they're good at. But they also are very outspoken about complaining about, oh my God, Camille's been OP for so long. Why aren't you nerfing her? It could ah, also be Graves. different. It, it's, it's different, See? right? Because there's expectations that it will be changed. If there is an expectation that nothing would be changed, then I think you would have a little bit more forced adoption in that sense. And that's why they complain, because a lot of times they don't want to adopt it. Uh, overall, though, I think it's more interesting for the viewer when you change it every two yeah. weeks. And when I was playing, I actually did like it when they mixed up the meta because I always like discovery and innovation and figuring out what is best rather than just imitating. But that varies by player. Yeah, I think it is player to player as far as that goes. If, if you're talking about how do we attain the like holy perfect level of League of Legends, then yeah, never changing the game would help you get there faster. It's kind of like the Brood War argument where yeah, it's, you will perfect this game, but will people watch? That's, will you that's still the be thing, a pro? Right? Like, is it is it still? Uh, are these guys still having a job if, if no one is no one is interested? And I think there have been times where things have been stale as far as viewership. To me, lane swaps were pretty stale. Some people love them as far as the analytical side of them and, mm-hmm. and you know the, watching the macro game, respecting that. But for most of the viewers, they found it boring. Mm-hmm. And I think that when things are, are changing up and when champions are rotating through, people, like, you have n- to go no further than, this sounds funny, but like Twitch chat and Twitter, watch how excited people get when a new pick comes in. People love that. And I think cha- champions getting changed up in the patches does help kind of keep it spiced up. Yeah, and not only is it uh, nice for the viewers to, to get variation like that, I actually like that one of the skills that we test for being a pro gamer is you know the theory crafting and the adaptability mm-hmm. and your ability to learn, bring it out first. learn a new champion very quickly. Yeah. Or people like Faker who practice 
most champions just randomly all the time, he's he's super prepped for when, oh, Master Yi got a huge buff. He's like, great, I have about 50 games on him already this yeah. season, and he's just ready to roll. And uh, it's what skills are you testing, right? Yeah, and, and I, I, I like, like the, the fact that yeah. adaptation and learning new champions and trying to play different styles is part of the skill test. So to answer the question, is the patch every two weeks model good for esports? I think yes, but I do think there's arguments on both sides. Yeah, I, I think it is too. And I, I also think that sometimes people exaggerate a little bit too much on on a champion being dead and stuff. Like you look at a guy like Medios who's playing Zack and stuff, right? That's not in the meta, but it can still work if you're good enough at yeah. it. Yeah, I think another interesting level to that question would be how big are you going to allow each patch? Because like, it's one thing mm -hmm. to have them spaced out every two weeks and you can argue, oh, does it need to be shortened or, or does it need to be a longer time period? But... Is, should there be a limit on the amount of power changes or the amount of champion changes yeah. within a single patch? Because if you have one of the things like the full juggernaut rework yeah. of there should seven big champions yeah. being reworked and all, all this stuff coming through at the same time, I think that's where the big outrage from teams comes from when you, you have sweeping changes. Yeah, I think all that's kind of trending in the right direction, though. Like, mm -hmm. I believe the team kind of acknowledged that the juggernaut patch shouldn't have released when it did, and like that's why they have mid-season drops and pre-season drops after MSI and after Worlds because when they do big sweeping changes, they want to give people actual time to adapt. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the timing, but we're going to move on to the next one. This one comes from Noah Rogers, uh, Arc Trooper 102. Uh, he asks, what made you guys want to cast esports above other sports and how hard is it in the casting business? <laughs> it's hard out here well, on these streets. To, to <laughs> me, <laughs> to me, the I I didn't. What came first was esports. What came first was not casting. So I wasn't yeah. one that was like I want to cast, and then I chose esports. Yeah. What came first was I love esports. I'm playing in this. How do I get back into esports? And I was like, oh, uh, I can't really get back on a team. So Talk maybe I should do casting. Yeah. And then it turns out uh, I really enjoyed that as well. Maybe so. if you played 85 games a week, you'd get back on that team. No, but really, uh, yeah. I, I, I think there's an important distinction here when it's like, why would you do esports instead of other sports? Yeah. Of where do commentators come from in sports? And there are two types of commentators, play-by-plays who can generally transition between sports and color commentators, otherwise known as analysts. That's the bucket we fall in. And if you look at basketball, football, soccer, all of the color guys are former players or coaches. So when all of us were like, we're washed up, we want to talk about it and continue to kind of bring this to more people, this is the thing that we could cast. We could not go cast the NBA or the NFL unless we had years worth of experience in that industry at a pro level. So. Yeah. I mean, I like doing it. I'm passionate about esports. That's why I'm casting it. But the reason we were able to get these positions was because we were former players. You have to build up credibility. And that's one of the biggest things, biggest challenges for new casters. Mm -hmm. um, that's why sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll have, you'll, you'll disagree with like the tones of new casters because they're always, you can tell they're always like striving to make a name for themselves and, mm -hmm. and, and striving to get that credibility. And it's such a difficult thing to tackle. Um, yeah. that that like that's a actually a fairly deep issue itself as well. And I, I think one thing like that is almost more applicable for esports casters is is not why do you want to cast esports? It's mm. why do you want to cast this esport, right? Because for yeah. me, I have cast a number of different games. I cast StarCraft, I cast Hearthstone, I cast World of Warcraft, I cast mm -hmm. League of Legends now. Like I've cast a lot of games, I've cast multiple games at BlizzCon and stuff, and like, you know, so there is that and some guys do move around. I know you guys have been law guys, but for me, uh, what attracted me to, to League of Legends particularly was, you know, as as a WoW pro and as someone looking at it from the other side, I was always just kind of like, well, shit, like that's how 
I wish we did it. Like that's, you know, looking at the LCS and looking at, at worlds and stuff, like even when I didn't play the game, I still watched that because I thought that level of professionalism was, was really cool. And it was something that like, uh, excited me and, and somewhere that I thought esports were going. And I think there's some yeah. other great esports out there now that are doing similar things, you know, like CSGO and Dota and some of the other great games that are, that are out there and overwatch even. Um, but you know, back like 10 years ago uh, for a lot of stuff, it, it's, it's like, you know, just a, a little tournament dark days with t-shirts you win and blah, blah, blah. Go talk with like, Riv. He'd drive like four hours. You just go yeah. cast some game for $12 in the yeah. lunch. So for me, league was, league was where coolers. I thought esports was going. <laughs> yeah. You guys want to hit one more? Yeah. Let's do one more. All right. So, uh, Eric, Eric asks, uh, Platshiv slash Warwick jungle main here. Best tips and tricks to improve jungle pathing and counter ganking. Watch some streams. So that's Platinum oh. Shiv slash Warwick. Yeah. Not Plat Shiv. Here's one. Here's, <laughs> he says Plat Shiv. Here's one that I do. <laughs> okay. we, we've talked uh, last yeah, episode. Yeah. We talked last episode about like how to get good. Um, and a lot of it was around mimicking before you can like fully understand the role and mimic until you can start giving your own flavor to it. Uh, what I like doing uh, is e-stock players on Lolalytics. Basically, Lolalytics has top players per champion. So you go to the game, Jess can watch you through your window. Yeah, exactly. You go there. Uh, you, then, the house. <laughs> you then get to see there. the top rated players that main that champion on a specific server find someone on a big pop server like EU West or NA um, then look them up on op.gg you can download the replays from op.gg and watch their jungle pathing just watch a few of their games and I almost guarantee you uh, as a plat player watching a challenger main of that champion you will find something new and you'll yeah. be able to add I it think to that's really game. smart this guy actually wants info on Warwick and Shivana though so I actually have been one checking Warwick recently and I feel like the most consistent starts for yourself um, it depends on your ELO uh, if you want to start without a leash to allow your lanes uh, to get the extra experience in lane, mm -hmm. or if you're actually just, I feel like the lower ELO you get, it's just always bottom lane is going to pull for you. Yeah. If it's always bottom lane is going to pull for you, yeah. then just start on your bottom side. You can start on red or blue. Mm -hmm. um, I start Q. I know Azale has sometimes started W. I don't know if you've changed over, but I mostly start I, Q. Q is Q is pretty bomb to start and then yeah. get get into W and Max W's uh, second. But your route is if you're blue, uh, you can full clear the blue quadrant and then go to your red and gank, and you actually have like a three three ten three fifteen time, which is a really good time uh, to be over there. And you're actually very strong, uh, able to fight over the scuttle crab or go for that gank. Uh, if you're on the red side, you have to do red, then wolves, then blue, or else you run out of mana. Yeah, and the one thing I'd add there is lab this. Don't just run into a game and do that. You have a practice tool, hop into the game, do some clears, change some runes and mastery pages around, and get mm -hmm. comfortable with your clear so you're not thinking about it while you're in the game. The, the other thing I'd say, I think that the level 3 ganks are super powerful on Warwick. Like I think mid-ganking is super strong on this champion. Uh, I mean, you pop your W, you just run it, and if you... Like, one of the things that's really cool about it, if you're using your attached Q, like, you can flash with your E up and then hold your attached Q. If they flash, you will follow them, and then you can fear the back into your team. So it's like, you can do powerful early ganks, but you can also do full clears. If you do, like, start the, the start with a rejuve bead and your hunter's machete, and you do a full camp clear plus a scuttle, your first base, you have a TM at. So, like, there are options here. You don't have to feel like you must gank if there's not an opportunity, but I think early ganks are yeah. good, and you can full clear and, and power farm, too. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of the full clear. You can do it. Um, I, I actually actually like going to fight the enemy jungler, but uh, definitely agree that the tip of holding the Q for when you're expecting them to flash is huge. If you're flashing on him, it, he's going to flash away almost mm -hmm. every time. 
80 percent of the time that i do that as well the person always types a question mark afterwards they're like what the hell that follows yeah. my flash and that's like, broken so i don't know people still are not used to used to the queue following flashes yeah, so it's, it's really good it even works on tristan all like lisa and all it works on like everything you just like stay on them it's nuts does it work on galio alt <laughs> no, probably not. It does not. I'm Maybe it no. does. Let's check it out. Right. It does not. Uh, thanks everyone for the questions. Remember hashtag the dive lol or tweet at right chat at right Kobe at right Azale. That will wrap up this week's episode of the dive. Remember episodes come out every Thursday around 3 p.m. Pacific time on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Casts, and Stitcher. If you like what you hear, remember to subscribe or actually hit the like button. So we'll also hopefully be on Spotify sometime in the future. And send us more questions if you want to hear them at the end of the show. Hashtag the dive lol. Yeah, we appreciate those. Remember to tune into the NALCS quarterfinals. Going to kick off this Saturday, April 8th at 12 p.m. Pacific. That's Dignitas P. One. See you guys there. Come on, it's gonna smash him. <laughs> <laughs>